I want to give thanks to God for all the talent he has assembled in this place. We have an abundance of talent in this place. We have an outstanding staff that goes beyond the call and duty, not just in regular seasons of the year, but just throughout the year, 52 weeks of the year. And the number of you who have said yes to serving, uh, never before in the history of this church had there been so many people willing to serve at a moment's notice and to be a blessing to others. And on Christmas, so many have done that. And I, I want to say thank you uh, to our awesome staff that I get to work with every day and to the servants. And thank you, just thank you for what you do for us and for our Savior. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, a few verses here. And uh, it's the Christmas story. It seems appropriate on this day to hear a little bit of it again. And it goes like this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Question for you. If you were God... And you looked upon the planet that you had created and the people that you loved. If you were God and you saw that it and them were sinking hopelessly in this cycle of self-destruction and despair. And if you were God and you had already decided you were going to send your son to the planet on a salvage mission. How would you choose to plan the arrival of your son to planet Earth? Now, if you're God, you would have at your disposal all of the resources, all options are open. If you wanted to, you could have an arrival that equaled the opening ceremonies of the Olympics that was more mind-boggling than the halftime of the Super Bowl? If you were God, you could choose the most impressive city with the most impressive venue to the most impressive parents and say, there you go, shock and awe. Or if you wanted, you were God, you could choose to do what God did, which was a very low-key approach. He, he picked out this tiny little rural town. And instead of a palace, it was a barn. Instead of a golden bassinet, there was just a little bit of old feeding trough. Peasants were chosen for parents. Few sheep, goat here and there. Flies, 
animal dung, throughout the straw. And if you made that decision, like God did, for 2,000 years, intelligent thinking people would be asking, why? Why did you do it that way? Why not the shock and all way? Why so low key? If you ever have read this book, it's filled with all sorts of reasons as to why God chose this path. A couple, two or three of them, one of them is that God saw that we human beings, we had this endless, relentless hunger to acquire more. I mean, God has watched you and me since the beginning of time, humanity, just with a desire, more, 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 more. Somehow we have gotten into our heads that our souls will be satisfied and our hearts will find some sort of peace if we acquire more. And so for eons, God has been watching kings and leaders of nations think that as the leader, if they had more, they would be happier. And so that is why kings attack neighboring nations so they could have more land, spilling the blood of innocent people, soldiers and subjects, to have more people to rule over, a bigger army to rule over, all to see if it would make them happier to rule over more. God has watched people in business, merchants, for eons think that if I just had more business, if I just had more businesses, I would be satisfied. I would finally be happy. If I had more people, if I had more profits, if I had more franchises. And so God has watched these people in business find ways to kind of rig the scales a little bit so they can have more and the people they serve have a little less. They have found ways to work the law, to find the loopholes in the law to serve their own advantage, to have a little bit more while it has a little bit less, to pay the people who work for them as little as possible, to even plunder the natural resources without any thought about just as long as I have more. But, but over the time, it's not just been kings and merchants, politicians, more power. I just want more power. Um, artists, athletes, musicians, more fame, more fame, more, more recognition, more, more, more adoration. And every one of us, more pleasure. The more pleasure I can have, the better life will be. More, 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 more. And so I sense that God is observing all this. And he's thinking about how he's going to send his son on a salvage mission to planet Earth. And he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to show my people a better way. I'm going to forever mock the myth of more. I'm going to show my people that I love that never, ever in the course of history, now, present, or future, 
Will your souls or your hearts really be satisfied with more? In fact, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you by the arrival of my son that sometimes, in fact, often less is more. In fact, sometimes less is best and less is beautiful. And so God, in all God's wisdom, chose Bethlehem over Rome. He chose a barn over a palace. And he chose these peasants over royalty. And intelligent Christians, intelligent people for 2,000 years are forced to ask themselves some, I would call, haunting questions. Have I got caught up in the obsession of more? Have I? Have you? Am I all wrapped up in investing all my time, all my energy, all my resources in more, 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 more? Here's what I'm learning in life. More always overpromises and underdelivers. Always. Overpromises and underdelivers. And we got to ask the question, is there more to life? Is there more than just having more? And so God sends this little message to you. It's just, just how he sent his son to the world. I think another one is this, is that God was not going to alienate a vast number of the world's population. Did you know that over 2 billion people in the world live on less than $2 a day? Did you know that? Did you know that 47 million Americans rely on food stamps just to get bread on their table and most of them already have a job? Ancient times and modern times, staggering number of people are poor. There are some people here sitting around you right here in this room right here that fits somewhere in that category, and they, they, you know who you are. And God did not want to have this billion-dollar arrival plan that would have excess and waste, that would be a kick in the gut to people who are struggling just week to week to get by. And so he says, I'm not going to alienate them. I'm going to send my son in such a way to identify with them so they know I care. Because the Bible says God has a heart for the poor. And he says, help is on the way. And Pathway Church, I am so proud of you. Because you have heard that message and your birthday gets to Jesus every Christmas as an exclamation point of your understanding of that in our backyard and around the world to send hope to those to whom Christ came to give hope. I think that's reason number two. And here's the third one. Here's the last one I share with you. As I think God wanted to make sure it's very clear, no one was confused about the mission of Jesus. He wanted everyone to be clear on what the mission of Jesus was. You see, if it was political, interesting how we like to merge the two, our faith and our politics. If it was political, Jesus would have been born in Rome. He wasn't born in Rome. If it was all about economics, he would have been born on the floor, maybe, of what was in the stock exchange or some bank or something. But it was neither political and it was neither economic. 
The primary focus, focus of Jesus sending his son to earth was a salvage mission to rescue people that are sinking. There's all sorts of things that causes a person's individual life to sink. Sometimes it's rebellion. You just got a rebellious spirit. I mean, you're just a rebel. And sometimes that causes you to sink. Sometimes it's greed. Sometimes it's hatred. Sometimes it's runaway ambition. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's envy. Sometimes it's depression. Sometimes it's despair. Sometimes it's addiction. Sometimes it's grief. It's so overwhelming. Sometimes it's abandonment that you feel like you have a dysfunctional family, that you've been abandoned. All sorts of things that get you in a place where you feel like you're sinking. Let me ask this afternoon, is there anyone this Christmas that in any area of your life, you kind of think it feels like you're sinking a little bit? 40 plus years ago, I was at a youth camp serving as a youth sponsor, and they were short on lifeguards, so they would ask different counselors to serve as a lifeguard in this one chair, and uncertified, but they just had to fill the role, and so it was my turn, and I said, man, I'm not a lifeguard. I said, we know if you see something, just holler out, somebody else will be, all you got to do is climb this place and watch this group of the pool, and if you see something, shout. So I climbed my little 10-foot perch for my little shift. And it was, it was beautiful. I was distracted because you could see the whole camp. And so for about a minute, I just looked away to look at what was going on in the camp. It took my eyes off the 50 or so kids in my part of the pool. And man, when I looked back, I looked and I thought, no. And I kept on staring. And there was something beneath the pool. I'm thinking, that's a kid. And I will tell you, I hate to admit it, but I panicked. I mean, I just jumped off that 10-foot perch and almost broke my legs on that concrete side of the pool. And best I could, I ran to the side of the pool, and I looked down in the water, and it was a kid. He was about two, three feet. He was kind of sinking, and he was looking up at me and kind of reaching out. And so I jumped in, but pulled him up to the top. Yeah, I was yelling for a lifeguard. They come to the side of the pool. I get there. I'm pushing. They're pulling. Get him up. Kind of, he breathes, gulps up water, blah, blah, blah. They work on him, and by the grace of God, he was okay. He wound up staying at camp. He had to call his parents to tell him what happened. They said, you can stay, and it was all good. So the kid's walking around camp uh, throughout the week. He'd say, there's the lifeguard who saved me. And I said, dude, I'm not a lifeguard, and there's the kid that gave me a heart attack. I mean, I pee, you scared the bejeebers out of me, dude. I mean, what, don't do that again, you know, and everything like that. But the thing that stands out most about that experience, I remember like it was yesterday, that when I got that part of the pool and I looked down, his eyes were wide open. And he was sinking. And he kind of reached up. And I kind of realized he had no other plan. I was the only plan. And he was just hoping I would reach down and uh, let me ask again, is there anyone here in any area of your life where it feels like maybe you're sinking a little bit? On my way back from a trip to Ethiopia, my last trip to Ethiopia, to go for our birthday gift to Jesus, do some training of some pastors, and to see the work that you, this wonderful church, is doing over there on the other side of the world, our trip got rerouted back instead of through Atlanta, back through Philadelphia because of a storm. And we had to go up north. That meant going north. And our pilot was a 
a retired Navy guy. He was a Navy historian. So we flew right over with a pretty close to where the Titanic had sunk. And he just thought it was his job to teach us everything that we wanted or didn't want to know, but needed to know about the Titanic. So he just started teaching us all this stuff about the Titanic. And it was pretty interesting. And after he got finished sharing all his learned knowledge, uh, he said, okay, if you have any questions, just give them to a flight attendant. I'll, I'll get them to me and I'll answer them. And there were a couple of questions. And one of them was pretty interesting. It says, uh, why, after the Titanic sank, why didn't the Navy the very next day have a ship out there looking for people that got caught up in the hull of the ship, found some air, and might have been alive? Why didn't they do that? And I thought his response was very interesting. He said, first of all, the water was too deep. Second, the cost would have been way too high. I am privileged to do what I do. And for 32 years, God has allowed me to stand on this place right here about every seven days and say this. There is no depth too deep that your God is not willing to rescue you from. And there was no price too high that he was not willing to pay to forgive you of your sins, of anything in your life that was wrong, anything. No price willing to reach down where you're sinking, wherever that is, and to grab hold of you from wherever you are and pull you up to the top and rescue you and put you on a path to a new way of living. No depth too deep, no price too high. I want to ask one more time. It's the last time I'm going to ask. Is there anyone here in any area, any dimension of your life where you might be sinking a little bit? Maybe for whatever reason you have found yourself on the wrong path. You didn't mean to be on the wrong path, but here you are, and you figure, whoa, how did I get on this path? This is not where I thought this path was headed. Or, or maybe you have a game plan for your life. You've been living out that game plan, right? But the game plan for the marriage, for the family, for your career, your health, it hadn't turned out quite the way you expected. Or maybe you have a self-improvement plan. You're very self-disciplined. You have a self-improvement plan. But you're finding that self-improvement plan is uh, not taking care of all the despair or the anger or the addiction or the depression or the dysfunction in your family or whatever it is that's causing you to sink. And some of you, you're just wondering where the bottom is because you're still sinking. I say this every Christmas, and I want to make sure I say it here. God loves you. Even if you don't love God, and even if you don't believe in him, he loves you. And when God sent his son... On a salvage mission to planet Earth, he had you in mind even when you didn't have him in mind. 
Because he knew you would come to a point in your life, and if you haven't yet, you will, where you feel like you're sinking. Your family's sinking. Your marriage is sinking. Your children are sinking. And he knew that you'd be needing a rescue. And so he sent his son, and he is here to view just that you can experience a rescue from whatever you feel like you're sinking from. And you say, well, pastor, I like the idea of that, but I don't know how does that happen. The Bible simplifies it. Sometimes we make it so complicated, but it's pretty simple. Here's the first thing. It's just to admit that you're sinking. It's just to admit you're sinking. Just to admit. You can't get rid of that anger by yourself. You can't get rid of that depression by yourself. You can't fix your marriage by yourself. Whatever it is, you can't get rid of that grief, that sadness, that sorrow. Just admit you're sinking. Just define reality. If the, whatever that reality may be, just admit it. And the second one is to call upon the name of the Lord. You just call upon the name of the Lord. That's, that's really over the book of Romans. It says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be rescued. And you say, well, pastor, okay, how's that really happen? Well, it's very easy. Every single one of you I know has a cell phone. Some of you are looking at it right now. You don't think I know? You're ordering dinner. You're ordering online for a gift. It's not going to get here on time. I'm telling you. Well, it's just very simple. It's like taking out your phone. If you were somewhere and you were stranded on the side of the road, you would take out your phone and say, hey, I'm stuck on the side of the road. I need some help. I need a rescue. And they would show up. And it's really kind of that simple. You just call out to God and you say, hey, God, it's me. <laughs> and I've been sinking and I'm stuck on the side of the road. And uh, I'm not pushing you away, God, this time. In fact, I'm reaching out. If you have the heart to, would you give me a rescue? And I will tell you, it's been the experience of myself and hundreds of people in this church and folks that watch online that if you admit you're sinking and call upon the name of the Lord, uh, he will do that. <laughs> he will do that. I've seen it happen so many times. In fact, that's the word right here in, in the angel in Luke chapter 2. Well, the angel says, I'll just kind of paraphrase it. Behold, I bring you good news, shepherds. Don't be afraid. Joy is on the way. There is a baby that's been born. He is the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior, the rescuer of the world. And you say, well, that's too, that sounds too good to be true. I'm telling you, it's good. And I'm telling you, it's true. And if you don't trust it, just try. And see what God does. So this Christmas, this Christmas season, we've been closing out worship, every worship, with giving you two or three minutes to spend a little time with God. So we're going to do that. Uh, because I know some of you are about to leave this place, and it's getting ready to get crazy. Because you have a crazy, dysfunctional family. And it's going to be just a madhouse. Somebody's going to show up you didn't want to show up. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody's going to say something you wish they wouldn't say. 
and it's going to be, uh, and you just kind of need to get your head right. So we're going to give you a couple of minutes to get your head right. Maybe there's someone here just right where you're seated. You're going to want to say, you know what, God, uh, I'm the one that's sinking. Yeah, that's me. And you're just going to sit right where you are, and you're going to say, uh, I'm sinking. I could use a rescue. Or maybe you're someone who said, you know what, I- I'm sinking, but the problem is I'm really, I'm sinking my family. I've seen a lot of people who sink their family. One person, because they don't get their act together. One person who sinks the whole family. They sink a marriage. They sink their kids. They sink their grandkids. You think everybody else is the problem. <laughs> and Christmas, your gift to them is, I'm not going to sink the family anymore. I am going to ask God to rescue me so I can be who I need to be in this family. And maybe there's some of you, you and God are tight. You go way back because he knocked your socks off several years ago and your life is totally different and you just want to use this time to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So whatever you need to do, I'm going to give you two or three minutes online driving. Keep your eyes open if you're driving. This is your time. Just do what you need to do with God right now. if there's some man, some woman, some child who blew it in the past 24 hours with your family. You lost your cool, the pressure, the fatigue, the deadlines, and you said something and there's tension and you don't say forgive me or I'm sorry very well. If that's you, just right now where you're sitting, just reach over and grab the person's hand if they're close by and just grab their hand Put your arm around them as a symbol of saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And just give them the grace that God has already given you for the sake of the family, for the sake of the kids. If you're someone this afternoon who maybe has said yes to Jesus in a new way or profound way, you can stop at our next steps area right outside the area. There's someone there say, hey, listen, I need to talk to somebody about this new message series, My Crazy Family. It's all about me or about getting baptized or about getting rid of my addiction. You can do that. Do that, of course. Get your family photo, but you do that. 
that passage in John 1 about in the beginning was the Word and He was the light. It ends like this. And the darkness has not overcome it. If there is no darkness in your life, no sinking so deep that the light of God and the love of God can't find you and be with you and go through it with you. So, once you receive that, you've got to share it. So we're going to share it. stand and join with us in singing this song. time all in one voice.
hurry. Enjoy the picture stations as you leave. There's places for you to take photos of your family, capture those family moments. There's a few little snacks out there if you want to. Someone's at the next steps area if you kind of want to talk to someone and kind of take a step beyond whatever's going on in your life. But before you walk out the door, just look around and look at all this light. Just check out all this light. And this light is a symbol of God's love. Tonight we remember there's nothing more powerful than the love of God. And there's no darkness so great. And there's no depth too deep that God's love cannot rescue you from whatever you're going through. Thanks be to God. Merry Christmas, church family.